Today we're going to do one off here on this idea of um, work-life balance, and I thought it would be appropriate because I don't know if you even know, I asked you earlier, like, did anybody have an extended weekend? And some of you are like, woo, yeah, extended weekend, you know? And uh, it's kind of a funny, it's a funny holiday to me, um, Labor Day, because for some people, you know uh, what Labor Day means. You know it's to celebrate the hard-fought workers' rights, you know, the, the, um, the respect, uh, the hum- humanity, right? The humanness of the worker, that we're not machines, that we have limits, that uh, we should be cared for. Um, and, and so there's this kind of celebration of that day, which is awesome that they declared this day in the United States, Labor Day, just to kind of stop working and celebrate the gains, literally, I think, of the labor movement. But for a whole bunch of other people, it's just an extra day off, you know? And you're like, I don't care what it's for, Pulaski Day or whatever, it's a day off, man. I'll take it, you know? Give me a day off. And so there's kind of this weird thing about celebrating work, but celebrating work by resting. And so I thought it'd be fun to kind of take a look at... um, at this idea of work-life balance that we all struggle with in our lives and kind of maybe break down some myths and talk about the biblical framework we can find uh, that God has laid out before the beginning of time for his creation. So um, I think we kind of fall off of two sides of this whole thing. I think for some of us, um, there's, we, we glorify in our culture the life of leisure. You know what I mean? Like, you can tell the person made it because they never work a day of their life. We celebrate that, you know? You hear about the person that wins the lottery. They'll never work again. That's what everybody says, right? When you win the lottery. Um, and then there's this opposite and equally kind of powerful pull that no matter how much we, can, we do, we can do a little more. We can squeeze a little more out of our day. We can, we can work a little harder. We can be a little more productive. And I don't know if you've got that little guy or girl that lives on your shoulder that tells you all the time, like, you could be doing better. Like, you got one of those? Most of us have one of those. And I, you know, got the little whip. He's like, just push, push, push. He or she. Kind of encouraging. So we kind of live in this culture where we do both. We celebrate life of leisure, and we also kind of pour ourselves out into work that's never ending, never ending. So today I want to talk from Scripture maybe about a biblical framework for what it would even mean to, how can we as believers in Jesus actually find a work-life balance? What is God's plan for us? Um, so I'm going to invite you to do what we always do. We're going to invite you to pray with us as we enter into God's Word that He would inspire us to understand that we don't want to be here just like, you know, wasting an hour. Like we're engaging with the Lord. We're engaging with His Word and we want it to mean something and to change us in some way by the power of His Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to pray for. So pray with me if you would. Father, we thank you so much. You are worthy of praise. We are happy, happy, happy to be in your house today celebrating your goodness to us. We love you so much. And honestly, Father, if you hadn't revealed yourself to us, we would be lost in the world with no hope. We would have no way forward. But you have revealed yourself, and we thank you so much for that. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who who shed blood sets us free to be uh, obedient and loving and um, uh, carefree and careful in our lives. May may we hear from you this morning uh, your plan for this idea of what work is about this holiday season, this holiday weekend, and and what rest is about, and where we should find our balance in that. Um, For my friends who are gathered here, I pray that you would speak into their hearts and minds. We all have different needs, Father. You know that. 
and all of them are unique and uh, you care about all of them so father would you minister to us in this time through your holy spirit would you um have us to gain the things we need to gain and let go of the things we need to let go of so we might live um more uh, productively more uh, faithfully in jesus name we pray amen all right cool so that's kind of our plan today is to talk um about this idea of um, work-life balance I want to say one more thing and then we'll get into the scripture. Um, even the question of work-life balance is kind of weird, isn't it? Like, do you ever think about that? Like, we just, this is a foregone conclusion. We talk about work-life balance. But for most of us, <clears throat> we don't equate life to work. <laughs> do you see it? Like, it's like work and life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Work and life. And that's how that kind of reads, like work's over here and life's over here. And, oh, you're working too much. You have no life. You have too much life. You have no work. I don't know what that even means, you know. But that's kind of how we lay that equation out. And I thought that was kind of funny. Even thinking through, um, you know, what, what we unintentionally say when we juxtapose two ideas like working and living so I want to talk about a biblical view of work. Um, I'm going to put most of the scripture on the screen for you today. You can look it up in your own Bible. You can take notes. I hope you grabbed an engagement sheet. But uh, we're going to kind of roll through um, three views of uh, biblical views of work, which you probably heard before, and three biblical views of rest, and then maybe the last point about how we can balance these things in our life. Um, we're going to get our whole concept of why work is uh, valuable and meaningful, um, starting in the book of Genesis. And so, uh, so in Genesis uh, chapter 1, I'm going to read a couple different passages here. Genesis 1, 27. Um, let's see here if I can get there. Okay, it says, uh, so God created man in his own image, as Adam, um, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And then God says this, the very first thing he does after he creates uh, Adam and Eve, he says, um, uh, he, God blesses them and says to them, be fruitful and increase in number, right? Fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves upon the ground. So the first thing we see is that right away there's a command for the people to do something. So this uh, first idea is that work gives us purpose in our life. And I'm not saying that like, but I mean, really, I think we miss that sometimes about work, that we think, well, the absolute success would be to never work again, but work actually gives us a purpose. And we can see here in Genesis, I told you this before, Family Bible Church, that um, in his creation idea, work was God's idea. Like, God's like, okay, Adam and Eve, you have some stuff to do. That's what the word says. He created man and woman, and he gave them some things to do. Um, he says, um, uh, fill the earth and subdue it right? Uh, I don't know if you've subdued any earth lately. Um, I got to spend some time doing some tree work this week at my house, which was crazy, like, you know, 45 feet up with a chainsaw. At, like, that's dangerous. <laughs> but I was subduing this kind of creation in my yard. I don't know if you've ever had that, but there's like kind of this real idea that we're called to kind of make things work, make the world work, right? But then there's this second follow rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, this kind of idea of conservation, of caring for um, what God has entrusted to us, right? Very hot issue right now. You can hear about it all the time, about caring for the planet. How are you caring for all of it? And sometimes it can be overwhelming. Well, I can't care for everything. Can you care for your little piece of it, you know? Um, can you make your path to work and home a little better each day? Is there something you can do 
to care for the environment that God has placed you in. But the point of all of it is to say that God gave us some work to do right from the very beginning. Before sin enters the world, before there's a, a, a fall that we all know has stricken all of mankind, we have work. Um, the second is from uh, Genesis 2.15. Um, let's see here. Genesis 2.15 again. Uh, the Lord took the man, Adam, and he put him in the Garden of Eden to what? Work it and to care for it. Um, and, and so, again, this is before sin, and God places man in, you know, like, I enjoy nature anyway, but can you imagine the fact, what we're being told here in the creation narrative, is that God made this beautiful, perfect, awesome place that he said is very good, and then he told the man to work it, to care for it. Like, okay, I made this, now you take care of it. And so we see straight away that, um, that Adam and Eve are given purpose um, by the work that God has called them to do. He has given them a task right off the bat. So we should never be afraid of that fact about work, that it gives us purpose. We should never shy away or be embarrassed. And, we, and there's almost that brokenness that if we, we desire a, a life without work, we desire a life without purpose. Kind of. Is that true? Am I overstating that? That's what it seems, that we all have been given things to do and um, not doing them is disobedience. So to, to be able to do them and to live them out um, is honoring to the Lord and a blessing, a blessing to others. Um, I want to share one other verse with you. We're going to jump ahead now into uh, the book of Romans. We have a lot of scripture today, um, but we're going to kind of walk this out a little bit. Um, Romans 8, and I think I have uh, verse 28. Um, that doesn't seem right at all. All right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I was misreading that. I'm like, wait, I'm on the wrong verse. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. I wanted to stop on this verse for a minute because um, sometimes I've heard that verse quoted half of it. Right? Like, uh, and we know that in all things, God works for the, for the good of those who love him. And we stop right there. So no matter what's going on in our life, we say, well, I know that uh, God is working good in your life through this. I know that there's something good coming out of it. Um, and it's usually in a really, really hard time, but not always in a normal season almost. You know what I mean? Like a normal thing like working. Like some of us love to lament our work or whatever. And, and here um, you can say, well, you know that God is working all things to good for those who love him. But the second part of the sentence is what always gets me because we often don't quote it. And who are called according to his purpose, right? Um, this is Paul writing to the church in Rome, and he's like, listen, God has intent in his work for you. He has intent in his uh, timing for you. He has intent in his placement of you. And I think that's one of those things that if we can get our, if we can get our heads, if I, brothers and sisters, can get my head around the fact that God knows exactly what he's doing, and he's working it for all things, for the good of those who love him, and are called to his purpose, I can give myself over to that work and purpose. Fearlessly, I can just go, yes, God has a purpose for this season of life, a purpose for this job, or a purpose for this opportunity. Or maybe you're not in the workforce yet, and you're preparing to enter the workforce, and you're going to school, and you can get wore out. What am I even doing this for? 
But God is working all things together for the those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so we can find, again, this idea that, um, that we can find purpose and not just like our purpose, but we can find God's purpose for us in our work. And I think that's true across the board. So work was given to us, um, it gives us purpose in our lives, and it was given to us for, for God's reasons, for God's purpose. Okay. Um, the second idea here is that work allows us to honor God. Work allows us to honor God. And uh, again, I hope you see that your own in your own life, that the things that you do, I mean, I really believe this is true. This hour, one time a week, on a Sunday morning, we all get together and we go, we're going to honor God. But then we go out and we spend all the rest of our week and we can honor God all the rest of our week. And so work allows us to honor God. I want to share with you from Colossians 3, a few verses here. Uh, Colossians 3, I'm going to do like 20, uh, 22, I think. Um, yeah, so I want to sit on this for a minute. Um, so Colossians 2, or 3, uh, 22 through 24, is one of those passages people sometimes will shy away from. Like, Wait a minute, man, what, what's going on here? You know, what, what's the... Um, author talking about what's the Lord talking about in this text listen to the word slaves obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you to win their favor but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord that's something we don't talk about very much now 23 since you oh I'm sorry 23 yeah Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not men. You've probably heard that before, right? 24, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as your reward, because it is the Lord Jesus Christ whom you are serving. What? Did you hear what he said? He said, slaves, be faithful to your masters, as though you're working to the Lord. Not only when their eye is on you to win favor, but with sincerity of heart, reverencing God. You know, I'm kind of anti-slavery. Like, I'm anti-slavery. You know, and I think, what? When you read that, obey your masters, why? There's this idea that no matter what our circumstances are, God's all-seeing eye knows and will, hear me, receive honor when we're faithful to him in spite of our circumstance. Now, here's the thing. I, uh, not many of us are truly slaves in the slavery sense of the word, like you were snatched from your house and drug off in chains. But many of us have kind of bound ourselves in some financial slavery, maybe. Uh, many of us have gotten ourselves in a job that we don't like. Um, and I'm talking to you as someone, I used to work in an office, right? And, and I, before that, I was a mover, and then I worked in an office. So I've had a lot of career changes in my life. Um, but there's that temptation, is there not, that whenever no one is watching, that you would find a way to cut a corner, right? Or look busy, the boss is watching. Do you do that? Oh, no, the boss. Like, everyone's hanging out, having a good time at work, and then the boss shows up, and everyone's like, what? 
you know, act busy. What am I doing right now? Why are they paying me? I can't remember my job. I've had that experience before, if you can't tell. <laughs> Shuffle paperwork. Hey, how are you? Yeah, we've been hard working here. We all do that, don't we? We have that. And this passage tells us, wait, obey. Do you see what it says? Obey your earthly masters um, in everything. I want you to hear the power of what he says. And do it not only when their eye is on you to win their favor. Look at how great of an employee I have. He or she is so faithful. Don't just do it when they're around, but with sincerity of heart and a reverence for God that when nobody's around, you're busting your rear end that you might glorify God. Oh, I find that super encouraging. Because guess what? If you're living that way and if you're working that way, it don't matter if you have the best boss in the world who's like, bonus, bonus, bonus. Or if you got one of those that I've had a few of like, nickel, penny, nickel. <laughs> you know, you get those like, late again. I'm, I've been, I was late whenever I, I don't know if you know that about me, but I've been <laughs> still running late. And always like, mm -mm, now I can't do nothing right. But man, if we just give ourselves over, as if no one is watching but our Savior and our Lord. He's honored. That's what the word says. Obey your earthly masters and do it not when their eye is on you, when they're favored, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. And whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as you're working for the Lord, not men, because you know it's your eternal inheritance you're receiving and the Lord Christ who you serve. Man, that's beautiful. And all of a sudden, we can understand and we can begin to um, truly recognize that our work allows us to honor God. Sounds kind of strange, though, doesn't it? But it allows us to honor God. Because if we are found to be the kind of people that is working faithfully when no one is watching, God is honored. And it's only because of our jobs that we can do that. Honor the Lord. We're all called to do it. So we can, we can do that. And then the, the last is, um, the third, I should say, the last in the biblical view of work. So we have work gives us purpose, work lets us honor God, and work allows us to bless others. Um, I want to make a couple stops here. I'm talking about how we can bless others through our work. Um, and the first is in 1 Timothy. I think I have it up here as well. Yeah, 1 Timothy um, 5.8. I'm going to read a little bit around it, I think, as well here. Yeah, I'm not. I'm just going to tell you the context. Let me read the verse, and I'll tell you the context. Verse 8. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, it went away. Um, I'll just continue on here, and if we can get it resolved, we will. Um, Acts, I believe it's 20. Acts 20, 35. This is great. This is Paul, Paul writing to the church and the, uh, talking about himself. And this is what he says. I'm going to read a little bit around it as well. 
Verse 32, now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance amongst all those who are sanctified. 33, I have not coveted, listen to what he says, I have not coveted anyone else's silver or gold or clothing. He's like, I've not desired what isn't mine. I've not desired that. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. I had noticed that before. We all know Paul is a tent maker, an evangelist, right? A church planter. But here he says, these very hands of, I've not desired anything that is yours, and these very hands of mine have provided for my own needs and the needs of my companions, those who would travel with him. So many of Paul's letters, I'm sending so-and-so to you. I'm going to call so-and-so back from you. I wish you would send so-and-so to me. Those are all people that Paul was providing for with the work of his own hands. He was blessing others with what God had given him. And then verse 35, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of our Lord Jesus Christ who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So the third thing that work allows us to do is to bless others. And we have the Apostle Paul here saying, I myself have worked with my hands to provide for my needs and needs of my people and bless the weak and bless others. And it's, more, and it's more blessed to give than to receive, is what Paul says, right? It's better that way. One final verse here that I want to share with you. This is from the book of Ephesians, the letter to the church in Ephesus. And I'll take me just a second to wrangle it up. Um, this, again, is Paul writing the church in Ephesus Chapter 4, verse 28. Let me see where it's at. Went right past it. Okay. So he's giving these instructions, and this is what he says. The one who has been stealing, by the way, among you, the church, that's what the word says. The one who has been stealing should steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. And that's the most direct quote that I remember from Scripture where Paul makes this case to say, listen, those who are stealing should stop stealing. Why? And they should work. Why? All these things so that you might share with someone else in need. And I guess I wanted to stop and talk about that for a minute because I think that we have a tendency to go, my work is for my provision. It's for my life. I work that I might be sustained. I work that my family might be cared for, and that's it. But here Paul says, no, we work that we might bless others. Like he said, my own hands have done it. And we work that we might have something to share with someone in need. I think this is really interesting because what, if you read this text, if you think about this text, what uh, Paul seems to be saying here is that the opposite of work is stealing. Do you see that? Those who steal should steal no more but should work. Like it's not this but it's that. You ever had that conversation with anybody? And he's like, so in some way he's saying if you're not working, you're stealing. And if you're stealing, you're not working. And far better for you Christians, brothers and sisters, if you've done that to stop it and begin to work so you might be able to share with someone in need. A totally different dynamic at play if I have something that I have earned and I choose to give it to you than if you come and take something from someone that doesn't something from someone that does not belong to you that you have not worked to earn. Paul says, stop. Don't do that. 
I think we get so messed up, and we, and all of us, and maybe it's me, you know, but I feel like we're in this culture where we try to find that narrowest door through just getting by instead of being able to bless others because of our work. Paul doesn't say this to be like rebuking or, um, um, what would you say, like oppressing to this people. No, that the people might find freedom in following Jesus. Wow, you mean I can work so that I can help someone else? You mean that the grace has been showed to me, I can then give to someone else? It's an empowering message that he's giving us here. And, uh, and we know that we can then bless others through our work. Fair enough? So there's three things there. Uh, uh, gives us purpose, gives us, allows us to honor God, and allows us to bless others, including our family, but not only our family to bless others around us. So that's the work side of this equation, right? Now we're going to talk about the hammock side of the equation, rest. What, what does the Bible say about rest? That's half of it. What's the Bible say about rest? Um, the first idea that we'll see with rest is this, and this is hard to read, I apologize, but uh, rest gives us humility. <laughs> rest gives us humility. Um, in, uh, in Romans 12, 3, um, Paul again is writing to the church and he says, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but think of yourselves with sober judgment. And this comes right after this idea of what we offer in the body of Christ, right? I mean, if you're, I'm always sensitive to not abuse the text and not take things out of context, but I do want to say that there's this idea of humility found in this passage. Paul starts off this way, by the grace that God has given me, I am now saying to each one of you, he starts by saying, I'm not a know-it-all, I don't know, I just want, by the grace given me, I want to tell you this message. Each of you should not think more highly of yourselves than you ought to, but rather instead think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. Realize your own limitations. Rest forces humility. It forces us to be humble. We cannot do it all. In spite of what the culture tells us, in spite of what we even believe in our own broken mind, rest is not only a good idea, it's God's idea. I don't know if you've ever um, had that person, or maybe you have been that person, or maybe you are that person that believes that you are, or they are, God's gift to the workplace. Anybody have an employee like that? Well, you going to take vacation this year? Can't take vacation. No way. If I took vacation, this place would fall apart without me. Anybody know somebody like that at work? I used to know some people like that. I, I used to work at a place where we could get, the vacation would fall off in a year, and people would lose vacation because they couldn't stop working long enough because the company couldn't survive without them. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous, right? And I thought, what in the world? You know, um, I didn't have that problem, by the way. I used all my vacation. <laughs> get me out of here. Get me out of here, you know. Um, but yeah, there's, and maybe you're that way. But, but you know what's funny about those people who didn't take that vacation time? Uh, their time did come to an end, and guess what? Those companies kept right on plugging. Those jobs kept getting done. And the only thing that got inflated was their ego in the meantime. And then they realize, ooh, I'm not that important after all. Now, resting gives us humility. 
it causes us to realize that the world does not revolve around us and indeed is not dependent upon us. Or, as Paul says here in the church life, the church's work does not revolve around any one person. It doesn't happen. Think of yourselves with sober judgment, right? God's given each of us gifts. The work will go on. So we should have some humility. That's what rest allows us to have. Oh, right. That's right, God. You can do this without me, but I'm allowed to be part of it. How cool is that? And if we never stop the rest, we never get that experience of humility. The second thing is that um, rest honors God. Rest lets us honor God. And this one might be kind of obvious to you, um, but we're going to go all the way back to the book of Exodus. And I want to read a couple of verses here um, from Exodus chapter 20. I have one on the screen. I'm going to read a few more uh, to you than that. I'm going to read a few, around, a few verses around it. God says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Interesting there. Verse 9, six days you shall labor and do all of your work. So you will work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall do not do any work, neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your manservant, nor maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. Because in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them, but on, on the seventh he rested. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. I want to point out two things, right? But by resting, the, the point is by resting we can honor God. It lets us honor God. Just like working lets us honor God, resting lets us honor God. And we can believe that we have to keep going and keep going and keep going. Two things I want to say here. The first is this. Remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. And all of you heard it but at the end of that, what I read, it said, because God rested on the Sabbath and he made it holy, right? It's not holy because we rest on it. It's holy because God says it's holy and therefore we rest on it to keep it holy. Set aside, that's what it means, to set apart. This is time to honor the Lord. I read an article this week about people who keep the Sabbath in all kinds of different contexts and about the witness that it is to others, but about the rest it is for their souls. These are some of the most important men and women in the world, and they're deciding that a Sabbath rest is important because God commands it, but it's important for their own soul, and it's important uh, as a witness to the community. Yes, life will go on if you take a day off. Yes. Yes, life will go on. You work six, hard six days, the seventh day, you rest. And why? Because God has already made the Sabbath holy, keeping the Sabbath holy then through us so we can honor God. Um, and we're not being legalistic here. We're not saying if you don't, tisk tisk tisk. But why would we not? If we're going to go, I'm going to, Lord, I'm going to serve you with everything I got. And then the Lord's like, and keep the seventh day holy. Why would we not say one day we were saying, this is for you. I am not that important. I am going to worship you. I'm going to spend time. I'm just going to think. I'm going to read. I'm going to walk. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to chill. I'm going to relax. Because God, all my problems will be there tomorrow. They're here today. They'll be here yesterday. They'll be tomorrow. Interestingly enough, the traditional Sabbath was from Friday evening at sunset until Saturday evening at sunset. 
That's traditional Sabbath. You go, whew, done. Matter of fact, our work week is built around that schedule. Friday nights, you're off work. So we can honor God through rest. And, and rest allows it, just like work does, rest allows us to honor God. All right. And then the third and final thing uh, for rest is that rest allows us to recognize blessings in our life. Rest allows us to recognize blessings in our life. I don't know if you've had the experience that I've had in my life, but there are times that we run faster and harder and we never stop. What's the old saying? Stop and smell the roses? Like we don't even appreciate what? Not what we've done, but what God's doing. We don't even stop. And I'm telling you, someone who's guilty of this, we don't stop and go, wow, God, you're so good. You've done so much. Wow, these last six days, I didn't think I'd make it through this week. And yet here I am, resting with you again. You're so good. And it allows us to recognize the blessings that God has poured out on us. Um, I'm going to share with you uh, 1 Thessalonians. I think I am. Or I'll read it to you since my clicker is not clicking. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5. Love this. I wish I could get this on the screens for you because it's an awesome passage. Hey, look at there. There you go. I love this little passage. Man, this is like dynamite. It's packed in here. Uh, wrapping up the letter, Paul says, Be joyful always. Uh, pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Thank God, right? And if we don't stop working, we may never thank God. God for all he has done. It lets us recognize the blessings he's poured out upon us. Um, by the way, isn't it funny too that maybe that idea of taking time to be grateful will tie into our joyfulness. If you ever find yourself the joy tanks going down, you know, you're just like, you're just getting ground off the stub, you know, it's just like there's nothing left of you, and you're just, you just feel like that worthlessness, maybe you haven't stopped to rest so that you can go, God, thank you for everything you've done, and then all of a sudden you find, you know, you can be joyful, and you can pray again. Uh, have you ever got so busy you forgot to pray? Do you ever have that in your life? Come on, man. I mean, I've, I've done that, right? Like, I got so busy, I don't, I don't have time to pray right now. I got too much to do. I got people counting on me. No. Be joyful always. Pray continually. And give thanks to God in every circumstance. Because this is his will for you in Christ Jesus. That we would be those kind of people that would say, no matter how good it's going, no matter how bad it's going, I'm going to honor God. I'm going to take a break. It'll be okay. It's going to be all right. And so we have that opportunity. So that's the three things for work. Gives us purpose, lets us honor God, allows us to care for others, bless others. And then it, rest gives us humility, lets us honor God, and allows us to recognize the great blessings we have in Christ. So what's the balance then, right? This is the big question. How do we, how do we balance it? Maybe you've already heard it in the message. Maybe you've already heard it this morning from the scriptures. What we're called and allowed to do. But I want to share with you, um, I, I believe that the balance comes in always glorifying God. Glorify God when you work and glorify God when you rest. And some of us, like I said, fall from one side to the other, you know. 
I have a bit easier time glorifying God when I rest than glorifying God when I work. Or maybe I have a harder time, easier time glorifying God when I work than glorifying God when I rest. Do you feel that? Some of us have those tensions, but we should always be glorifying God, and we should recognize that both work and rest bring him glory, that he is rightly due, that he is rightly due. Last place we're going to stop. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. And this, you know, isn't, uh, it is directly applicable, but it, it's kind of in this context about what we're allowed to do in Jesus. I, I can work seven days a week. I am saved in Christ. I don't have to obey the law. Yeah, I understand it. I don't have to work. I can, God saved me by his grace. I don't have to earn it. Yeah, I, I get you. Um, I love what this says in verse uh, 31 of chapter 10. Paul wraps up this huge discussion about what's allowable for Christians. And he says, so whether you eat or whether you drink or whatever you do, church, whatever it is, do it for the glory of God. That's our goal. For the glory of God that he might be glorified in our lives. And if you've been going far too hard for far too long and far too fast, then can I encourage you to stop for a day or maybe stop for a week and glorify God. If you're the kind of person that goes on vacation to get away from Jesus and all of his stuff and just me time, can I encourage you to let God in and glorify God in your me time? Can I just invite you to do that? If you're the kind of person, maybe you've been stealing and not working, can I encourage you to stop stealing, start working, you can bless others and glorify God. Wow, you, you're going to use me as part of your plan. See there? We can all be part of it. So can I encourage you to do that? If, if, you, if, you, if you live on one side or the other, can I encourage you to find some balance and say, Lord, whether I, I work my fingers to the bone or I'm resting in your grace, I want to glorify you with everything. That's what I want. That's what I want. Will we sing that song today? My life is a love song to you. Did you hear the words? I'll be a love song to you. Is that only at work or only at play? Or is it all of our life? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for the great gift you are to us, a gift we do not deserve and we cannot earn. And yet you've given us your presence and you've given us this life and you've given us abilities, and you've given us hope and a way forward. I pray, Father, that for myself and others here, that we would find this place of balance, that we would always be glorifying you, that as the seasons that we're able to just work super hard, we're very strong, we feel our power, that we would turn to you in that moment of power and say, yes, be glorified, Father. Have your glory made known. Praise you for the work. For the seasons where we can't work, maybe we're, um, you know, hurting or we're, we're, we're laid up or we, we just need a break. We just need some time off. I pray that in that resting, beautiful place, we can just say, yes, Lord, all for your glory in this life. And I pray, pray, pray that it is glorifying to you and it's a blessing to us and it's an encouragement to those around us that there's a God who is so much bigger. You are so much bigger than our problems. 
You're so much bigger than our jobs. You're so much bigger than our life. I pray we would find that spot with you today, Father. May we be balanced in our worship, our proclamation, and the glory we bring. Praise you, Father, for that. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.